Welcome to another episode of You Can't Say That, where we dive into things that you're thinking about but nobody else is saying in the health and fitness industry. I'm your host, Joe. Hi, welcome back to the podcasting with boss babe friend and women's strength coach, Alina Myers from Level Up Alina. And we're going to discuss a little taboo topic that has come up a lot um, on my Instagram, in my socials. Uh, people asking about dieting and mindset around dieting and in particular it kind of led us in the conversation or diet culture and how that's breeding eating disorders uh, which sounds taboo but let us let us take you on that journey so let's get into your story anyway Lena so um, dieting and that culture around it has been really heavily involved in your life and you grew like as you grew up um and i just wanted you to touch on that experience and and even how you've experienced it with your clients um because it's not something that you it's it's sound it's a familiar topic to a lot of your um female clients as well so growing up my family was always dieting um i can always think back to originally like low fat and then low carb which was atkins and my parents were always trying to lose weight, always good or bad, or like on or off their diet, like constantly. So it was a, it was a topic of conversation in our house all the time. Um, and so food was a really big deal of like, what's good food, what's bad food. Um, I started dieting probably when I was 12. Um, started taking like slim fat shakes and <laughs> doing that whole thing, like packing lunches for school. And I thought I was being like really good. And I was like, felt like really in control of like what I was doing and what I was eating. And I felt like, like better because I was doing that. Um, so it was always a topic, like my mom would always comment if I've gained weight or if I lost weight and there's always such like a bit good or bad connotation in my body was always like talked about, I guess. So I became super obsessed with it, obsessed with dieting, um, exercising. I was in sports, so I played soccer, basketball, softball, like all the sports, but I would still like exercise more mm. to like still stay like skinny or like yeah. smaller because I was always a bit bigger than my friends. Um, and it freaked me out. And so I would be doing like sit-ups, like hundreds of sit-ups a day, <laughs> Jane Austen Pilates videos, like I did all the things. And so that's kind of like where the childhood like diet mentality like kind of started, um, was just like being rooted so deep in my family, like history. And then when I went into college, like all that kind of stopped. I like was on the bad, like either good or bad. I was, I was pretty much just eating whatever I wanted and then I would like get sick of it and like decide to diet and become healthy. So it was always like on again, off again, good, bad, yo-yo dieting. Like I see a lot of my clients having family histories of like their parents kind of influencing that or like, oh, I skipped breakfast today so I'm really good or like, oh, I can wait a little bit longer. I'll be, I was really good today. I deserve this. And there's always like this morality around like the food and this obsession with food and like worthiness that comes from it mm, and that that kind of connection between like what you eat and and how much you eat and it shows a level of oh look how disciplined i am mm. or my self-worth of like i can i can do this and i am superior because of that um so i wanted to talk about you talked about the good and bad food thing mm. and um this has come up a lot and i find it a lot in people that i speak to 
Um, even in myself, like I spent a lot of many years categorizing food as good and as bad. Mm. Um, and kind of how that mentality is really unhealthy. Um, so yeah, let's, let's touch on that. I feel like with every different diet, there's a different iteration of what's good and what's bad. Mm, so starting yeah. off in low carb world, like carbs were bad, right? And then going into, then I did about Whole30 and like paleo and that has a massive list of good and bad. Yeah. And so whenever you're eating like the good, like you'll feel good about yourself. You feel like you're on the right track and you're like, you're like doing it right. And then when you're eating the bad food, then you feel bad and it's like your self-worth gets tied up in these good and bad foods. So if you are, you know, like on a weekend going out and like you ate the bad foods and so then you're like, well, I already messed it up. So might as well just keep going. Right? Like we call that the fuck it mentality. Like I might as well just keep eating everything. And now you have the guilt and like feeling bad about it and feeling bad about yourself. And that like keeps perpetuating this binge then deprive kind of cycle that we go through. And Absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Like, this worthiness is, yeah and this is good and this is bad and mm -hmm. and like you were saying and I think you made a really good point about every different diet will have a different iteration of what's good and what's bad and it's like mm -hmm. keto and your low carbs will say if I had wheat and I had bread that's the devil if I had a banana mm -hmm. it's like that's too many carbs mm -hmm. um, but if I then suddenly changed my diet in time and I decided that I would then have a high carb vegan diet, for example, um, and then suddenly fats were the devil. You know, the fat you eat is the fat you wear is the mantra of that kind of diet. Is that yes, a saying? Yes, the fat you eat is the fat you wear. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's high carb vegan diet is wow. very. Um, it's interesting to see like your worthiness change, but the rules have changed, and that's what's like. Mm. It's not necessarily the boot, like the food has changed itself. No. It's your version of whether it's good or bad um, and for me it took a long time to and I find myself being consciously aware of that still not to use those words not to say I'm gonna have this donut I know it's bad for me I try and use different phrases around that so for me it's like a, a matter of saying this probably doesn't have as many nutrients as having like mm -hmm fruit vegetables mm -hmm. um so like ne less nutritionally dense or more energy more dense. calorie dense more calorie my dense. clients say oh that's one of the things you always say is calorie dense and yeah. i'm like do i say that a lot <laughs> and I, but i think it's a really important point yeah. it's like you've programmed your way of saying that because um and i've made a post about this pre like previously is that um food isn't necessary like it's on a continuum and mm. it should be mm. every Every kind of food can be part of your diet and it can be part of your life. It's just that there's different times where foods would be more better value for money. Yeah. Is what I say that you're kind of like <laughs> your exchange in terms of like eating yeah. is like better about like bang for your buck. It's like a much more healthy way to live. But yeah, I guess that good and bad mentality comes from this diet. Yeah. Culture of, of, um... And I think it reflects way too much on then you personally. Mm. Like, if you are eating the bad foods, how you feel about yourself yeah. is then bad. Yeah. Um, even though what is bad, it depends on what the diet is. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of underlying self esteem and control issues there. And that I think that's where we start seeing disordered eating mm. tendencies coming from labeling things as good and bad and the underlying, like, 
morality, I guess, of it. Yeah. If you're eating the good food, like, you feel like you're doing something right and, like, you're so disciplined and you're better than the people who are, like, you know, eating the bad food, whatever you deem is the bad food. And so there's, like, yeah, again, that self-worth that's, like, tied up into, like, what it is that you're eating and how others view you because of what you're eating. Mm. And so you feel like you have, like, this little, like, badge of honor. Like, I'm more disciplined than you. I'm, I can do it and you can't and I'm better than you. Which is so gross. Like, I, at the mm. time, I wouldn't have thought that. I was, like, yeah. like, middle schooler packing my salads for lunch. I wouldn't have thought I'm better than you because of eating salad. But that was, like, the underlying tone was that, like, I have more discipline. And I can do it and you can't. How did that affect you emotionally, mentally, like as you continue to, you know, sit, fall in and out of different diets, mm -hmm. how did that have an impact on you like psychologically? Yeah. So whenever I was lean because I was like doing some diet and like hyper control and then I was lean, I would get more like accolades for that. Like people would be like, you look so great. You look shredded. Like, what are you doing? You're so healthy. And I'd like eat that up, right? But then as soon as I would like go off the wagon and, you know, binge and gain weight or like just go off completely, I would stop getting those like compliments. <laughs> and you like those compliments, right? Mm. So then you kind of like, oh, if I could just get back to that. So then you do another diet and then you just want to keep getting that like affirmation from other people if you're not getting that affirmation from yourself. And I think that's, yeah, again, like with the self-esteem, it all kind of just tied in together. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of leads me into uh, where I came from in, in like a fitness modeling, bodybuilding competition prep mm. phase was, you know, I was always um, big girl mentality. And both of us are like quite tall and just athletically built, just naturally, uh, just stature is not like we don't have small, small frames. Um, but I spent my whole life trying to become this petite, small frame. Like I, all I wanted was to be that short, little, cute, like size six girl, <laughs> you know, but I'd, I'd never be that way. I've always had shoulders, always had quads and didn't really like work for them. They're just mm. always there. Mm -hmm. And I loved food. I had a really good relationship with food and my family, you know, food was like a brought us together, um, coming from an Eastern European background. And, uh, so grew up with lots of good food and, and a lot of love around food. And, and then obviously having this sort of big girl mentality, even though I wasn't like huge, huge, uh, I would have been overweight for my height and size at the time. Um, but I wasn't by all means, like I would, you would see me and you would be like this, you, you weren't, mm -hmm. you weren't mm -hmm. that big, but in my head, bigger than I visually yeah. saw. I even have that, like, for, I have friends from the past, I tell these stories a lot, and they're like, I don't remember you being that overweight or, like, that yes. big. But, like, to me, I was, like, you know, big. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, which is, in itself, like, such a red flag yeah. um, <laughs> for then the whole dieting culture creating mm. this sort of disordered pattern of eating. Mm. Uh, and so... I mean, I, I think I fell into dieting and stuff, say like between like 15, 16, um, and, uh, like fast forward sometime first, <laughs> my first gym membership was when I was 18. And then as I fell into that, I also, because of my all or nothing mentality, very like, I just dive right into things. And so I think <laughs> hardcore, very, yeah, just all the way. <laughs> uh, so I 
jumped right into the gym, loved it. Obviously, I started to be more uh, mindful of my food because I was like, what's the point if I'm going to be exercising? I, like, I want to see some results, saw some results, got very addicted to that. Uh, and then kind of fell into um, lifting weights and being kind of, at the time, not many females doing it. Uh, and I just felt a little bit like boss doing that. And so I was like, let's take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that's when I fell into, I guess, competitive fitness modeling or competitive bodybuilding um, and wanting to see how I could transform my body. It, and at the time, thought it was harmless. It, you know, it was like a way of, of me, you know, pursuing a sport. I wasn't really sporty as a as a kid, I was like, this is great. Mm. Um, but in hindsight, looking back, the intentions behind me doing it were very, very wrong, very unhealthy. Uh, I came into it thinking I will achieve that, that dream, that goal of being that small, really lean little girl. I spent my whole life trying to be this small, petite, lean, uh, build this perfect body. Um, and so I did the whole prep, ate chicken and broccoli, restricted calories, really hardcore. Like I think I was on like 1,000, 1,200 by the end and, and exercising excessively to, just to lose weight. Just, uh, I stepped on stage the first time and was proud because like it was such a long haul process. Spent some time out of that, very confused coming out of it because I no longer knew like what was the drive or purpose of her intention. Did you do that whole rebound afterwards? Yeah. 100% I've rebounded it, you know they say the hardest part of prep is not necessarily dieting into it but it's dieting out uh, they call it a reverse diet so you should be like slowly implementing calories back but when you diet for so long you're like fuck this so I'm gonna eat yeah um, and so I did and I ballooned out and then I was like People saw this image of me, which I, you know, of this like, oh, I'm standing on stage, like I'm leaner than super I've ever been, <laughs> super tan. But now if they saw me, I don't look like that anymore. Like, and, and sort of, you're very confused about your purpose. So I went to, to, into another prep, like a, about a year or two later, um, decided I wanted to do it again. And this time things were different. Like, I mean, the intention was still there. I still wanted to be that like shredded lean person. But when I stepped on stage after 20 weeks of prep, which is six months, by the way, of like oh. very extreme dieting, I was not even proud. Still looked in the mirror and tore myself apart, like in terms of what I looked like. Mm -hmm. I wasn't lean and I felt not lean enough. I looked at the other girls around me competing and they, I was like, well, they, they look like they're ready. I don't think I'm even ready to be on stage. Despite losing, like, I don't know, over 10 kilos. I was, like, underweight for my size. I remember uh, seeing the photos. Yeah. 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 I, but at the time, I, I did not think mm -hmm. that at all. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that no matter how much I restricted, exercised, dieted, I, whatever size I became, I, that wasn't going to lead me to happiness. Even though I created this thing in my head of like, if I achieve this body size, this will create eternal happiness for me. 
Uh, and so Not that's true. <laughs> which yeah, and I can attest to. Yeah, and so it it was a very long road, hard road to learn that. Um, and it and still at that point, I was confused about like where to from here. I'd yeah. known for so long just to eat chicken and broccoli. Were like, you like I'm done after this, or like what happened? I went straight into veganism at the um, time. That's when it started. Yeah, this is when it all started. I basically like, no more chicken and broccoli. Yeah, no more chicken ever. And so <laughs> that became, I thought, was a liberating experience because I no longer was bound to chicken and broccoli as a restriction. I was now open up to all foods as long as they didn't have any animal products. I was open to all foods. And when you say all foods, that doesn't sound like very me. Like. Yeah, I thought I was open to all these different foods, but like you have to remember that I was eating fish and broccoli or chicken and broccoli every meal and I didn't know how mm. else to be healthy without those meals anymore. Mm. I thought veganism would be the answer and I spent four years of my life doing that uh, and it was the warning signs that as my health, it started to influence my health at the end, um, but also... Um, it wasn't really aligning with my values by the end and I noticed that it was just another label for me to put restrict like another restrictive label to put on myself or to put on food but the I think what I would deem at the time the best part about it is that underlyingly it gave me an excuse to not eat what everyone else was eating be able to choose from a select amount of food on the menu uh, because people couldn't argue that, like, well, she doesn't eat animal products because of her own values. Um, but it was, for me, easier than saying, like, oh, I'm, af I'm afraid to eat. I'm afraid to eat different food. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. yeah. And so... It's just your new little label of, like, controlling... Controlling food. food. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I realized that and I started to implement animal products back in it was like a more of like a liberating experience a freeing experience for my mental state to be like it's okay if you eat eggs you won't suddenly gain 20 kilos it wasn't necessarily moving out like i'm anti-vegan it was more of me uh understanding that i was just this is a pattern of restriction on food self-imposed disordered eating behavior mm -hmm. that I need to work through. Let's back your bikini story. I want to hear about it. <laughs> I know the story, but let's get our listeners to... So back I have a really similar story of like, not even a competition. I just wanted to get lean to go on a, on a holiday. And my friend who I was going to go see was like my skinny friend. Like growing up, she was always like the lean one, the pretty one. Like, and I wanted to like finally like feel good next to her because I felt like the, the fat girl or like the big girl. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I got super lean. Um, at that point, I didn't have a lot of muscle, so I was just like really skinny. And I didn't have a bikini. And I remember being like, yes, I'm going to go shopping for a bikini. And I'm going to try on any bikini I want. And they're all going to look good because I'm finally skinny. And when I got there, none of the bikinis fit because I had completely just lost my boobs fully. Like I went from a D cup to like an A cup and I just cried. Here I am with like six pack abs and I just like cried in the dressing room and nothing would make me happy. You know, like I didn't like myself when I was fat 
I didn't like myself when I was skinny. It was just like, what's it gonna take for me to actually like be okay? Yeah, it's a confusing place to be because you're like, this is one end of the spectrum and this other end of the spectrum and and neither of them have made me happy. Mm -hmm. Because that comes from within really and it sounds really sappy and like, oh, like self-love, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it comes from. So I guess like moving into understanding that, okay, I'm being really aware that dieting and diets are uh, just is self-imposed restrictive restrictions around over food rules how do we move out of that basically how did you move out of that how did i move out of it i went through so many different diet iterations i mean it started with atkins and then we went to whole 30 and paleo and then we went into macro counting Mm. Um, which was a weird transition because then I was like, I can eat anything, but it like has to fit these numbers. Mm. Um, and so then I would go on like the, I was always a yo-yo dieter, right? So I'd go macro tracking for a while. I'd get super shredded, get sick of it because it's so mentally demanding to log your food every day and weigh your food all the time. Um, so then I'd go off and then I'd gain weight and then I'd be like, okay, I just got to get back on. And so then I'd go back on and every single time I went back on the diet or back on the macro tracking, it was harder. Every time, like, I, my brain just, like, resisted much harder. And well, one day, I decided about a year and a half ago that we were going to do this new diet, me and my flatmates. And it was actually a hypertrophy, so it was meant to be more food, but this was a lower-calorie day because we weren't training that day. And my flatmates were getting ice cream at Kohl's, and I was there, and I didn't have enough calories for ice cream. <laughs> so I like, threw a tantrum. I was, like, so upset. I don't think I cried, but, like, I think I was, like, this close to crying, like, in the supermarket. Um, and that's when I was just like, that's it, I'm done. Like, I'm done with dieting, I'm not macro tracking again. Like, whatever is gonna happen is gonna happen and I'm just gonna figure it out. So, since I've done so much dieting and I've done so much learning about food, I know a lot about food already, so I have like certain kind of frameworks in my mind of like what is a good, like nutritious meal that's gonna help me on my goals and what's not such a great meal. So I have that background and didn't need to be like, eat everything because that doesn't feel good. So like, it had to be a little child there, you know? Like, you could go down and eat all these foods, but if at the end of the day you don't feel good, it's like, okay, well, that's not gonna work. Mm. But then restriction doesn't work, so you have to find, like, this middle ground. Yeah. So the last, like, yeah, year and a half, I've been, like, doing this middle ground where I'm, like, not the most lean person that I've ever been, but I'm also not, like, off the rails and binging on candy every day and overeating until I have to unbutton my pants. Like, that was a thing. Like, mm. I would stuff myself into my pants. Um, so it's been like a, a bit of a journey and then also along the way I've had to really come to the terms of like what my body is and like if nothing changed like if I never got leaner than what I am right now I'm okay with that um, and I had to finally be like yeah I'm okay with that like I'm okay with how I am right now and if that stays like that like I can always obviously go back to dieting like and it's it's liberating to just be able to eat what I want <laughs> and not like beat myself up about it is amazing and and that's a really good point it's that mental freedom that you have and the fact that you you think that you are in control of your food when you're on a diet because you've created these rules mm-hmm. but actually food controls you mm-hmm. and uh and you mentioned the whole like you would used to eat until you were sick like literally, I would throw up. Yes, yeah. so cool. So like, I've done yeah. that too many times. And and so it, it had a very similar experiences because it's like, con- like food is controlling you. Uh, you can't stop. It's a mm. it's that binge restrict mentality. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have a binge eating disorder, like you you can't deny that these are mm. very very 
in that eating disorder like yeah, continuum, like on that track. I went through so many comp prep phases and I had a coach who would tell me like have a diet plan and have food to eat so my education around food wasn't like it was self-educated later down the track but during that bodybuilding phase like I didn't really know about food uh, I got given a diet plan and and so if it wasn't on that I didn't know how to eat I didn't know how to make a well-balanced meal I didn't know what would be calorically sound to fit uh, mm -hmm. in my in my food to, to still put me on track for this competition mm -hmm. um, and so every Sunday I used to have this cheat meal and then like closer to the date we'd just take it all out because I, I couldn't I couldn't it wasn't a meal it was a like eat until I was sick <laughs> it's until 11 59 p.m. Oh like uh, if, if it turns to midnight that's the end of Sunday I eat until I was absolutely disgustingly sick yeah. and and nowadays I find myself having uh, like treats I guess if you want to call them that like I have chocolate every day but I'm not sitting there as like previously I would have been con like concerned about having chocolate in the house during the week because I'd feel like I'd just have the whole block in one go I'm too scared to have I couldn't it. have peanut butter at one point yeah, like, that's still a trigger food for me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can have it now, but yeah, paleo yeah. was like, peanut butter's bad. Yeah. And so just yeah. like one little taste. And, then... and I don't find myself getting to the weekend and praying for this cheat meal. And I can go and be at a dinner party with friends and not feel like I'm sitting there deciding to wear my fat pants because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay at the dining table and yeah. continue yeah. eating. <laughs> um, so I think that, for me, very emotionally liberating. Mm. Um to know that I'm, I'm actually okay and I'm not like going to just go off the rails yeah. for doing so. Um, I think that there's this, this kind of mentality that I've taken that's like as much as you restrict like you will have an like equal but opposite reaction. So like you restrict super hard then you're gonna have like an equal but opposite. So true. Binge. And yeah. I see that over and again, over again with my clients as well. Like um, for example I've had somebody like getting ready for a wedding and they lose a bunch of weight. Um, I'm like trying to instill sustainable practices, but like they're just gung-ho. Yeah. And then of course after the wedding they gain it all back because mm. it's like as much as you're restricting, like even if it, like you think it's not super restrictive, like say it's like intermittent fasting, like I, I believe that's a restrictive diet, um, or it's veganism or whatever, like however many like months or years, it doesn't have to be like that weekend mm. that the binge is going to happen, but it's going to happen sometime down the line, like you, there will be like an equal but opposite reaction. And so every time I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna clean it up on Monday. Like, if I'd had a big weekend, I'm gonna clean it up on Monday. Like, every time I find myself going into that, like, little, like, mental, like, narrative of, like, I'm gonna clean it up, I'm gonna lose a couple kilos, like, I'm gonna get a little bit more lean, and it's all, like, innocent. <laughs> but I remember, like, how does that turn out for you? Yeah. How does this story end? Yes. And I know how it ends, and it's not a fun ending. Yeah. It's exciting when you start a new diet, though. Like, I get it. Like, I see diets, I'm like, oh, that could really work. Because like, you, you're hopeful it. of the yeah. outcome and people it's are so... selling you that story. And that's why diets mm. are such a lucrative business. They, mm. they basically make money off you failing. Yeah. So they want you to fail because they'll create the next diet for you to follow mm -hmm. and fail. Mm -hmm. And that sounds freaking harsh, but it's kind of like that's how they make money. Um, like Weight Watchers doesn't have your best interest, like temporarily, but they want you to continue coming back as a business. So how do we, how do we say, I want to lose some, 
body mm. fat mm-hmm. and but still not be in that restrictive mentality like what are some tips have you gone about doing so yeah there's a lot of ways that we can do it um if i'm working with somebody and they have any history of like dieting or like disordered eating around like not necessarily like a diagnosed eating disorder mm. but like um, disorders views yep. around food, like I'm not going to be like, alright, cool, we're going to start a macro plan mm-hmm. because I know that's not going to work for them. Um, mostly what I work with people is on behaviors and habit changes um, and figuring out what they're doing and like what we can do and make small changes that will actually like move the dial. Um, certain things like meal timing and like all these little tiny things aren't moving the dial. Like we do like the big dial movers first mm-hmm. um, and we try to make those habits before we like add on another layer and add on another layer, but we all have to do it in a very like mindful way. So I, I um, coach more of an like intuitive eating approach where we're talking more about like what feels good in your body, like when you're listening to your hunger and fullness cues and more like frameworks around that kind of thing than setting up a meal plan or handing them a diet with an eat this, don't eat that or macro guidelines. Mm. Um, just because we know that that in the long term, like will keep them stuck you know if i hand you a meal plan it doesn't teach you how to eat it will just teach you how to eat this meal plan until you're sick of it and then you still don't know what to do at the end of the day so the habits that i'm trying to instill in my clients is more like how to eat for life and it's not like sexy or like marketable to be like learn how to eat for life yeah (laughs) and that's where it's not appealing to people because like you don't see results instantly Um, but like the long-term benefits of it is that you just are so much more happy within yourself Mm -hmm. and within your lifestyle and you feel like your whole life doesn't have to change and revolve around it. Um, just implementing those like small things and they sound so lame. Like it just seems like, oh, like, you know, make sure you drink more water and like (laughs) see that that's maybe it's your dehydration that's making you feel hungry or sleep. Like sharks. Yes. Like (laughs) maybe that's something you should work on. And it's like, that sounds boring and like not very fun. Like if I can tell you, oh, your eating windows between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's going to work. Yeah, because it's restriction, but like, sounds just much drink more the interesting. Shake for two meals a day, like, mm. oh, that makes... it sounds much more like, oh yeah, that's yeah, that sounds legit. But if I say you should probably sleep another hour every night, <laughs> that's gonna change my weight. <laughs> yeah, freaking is. Turn off the TV. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not as it's yeah, it's not as sexy like you're saying. Mm. Um, and I love that you you're all about that like get educated about food that makes you feel good, mm. and then yeah. just like. I guess macros around that and I think that's something that is so important I was going through that bodybuilding phase and having given like being given a diet um, and not knowing food or outside of that not I remember being in a comp prep and working one day uh, I thought I'd finish a midday so I didn't have my food with me thought I'd go home so I could like freshly prepare my meal I was in the middle of a prep and um, I was about to walk out the door, my boss goes, hey, Joe, where are you going? What do you mean? I'm finished for the day. He's like, no, you've got, you've, you're teaching another class. You've got, uh, so I used to work in an RTO, fitness RTO. If you know me, you'd know where I was working. And uh, so I had to be on, like I had to be ready and like present uh, very severely undernourished at this point. Uh, boss says, no, you're working till five. Uh, and so I literally just stormed out crying, uh, and because I just didn't, I, 
honestly just didn't know what to eat. I was so freaked out because I was like, if I eat something outside of this, this will derail all of my results. And so I freaked out and I decided I'm, I'm just not going to eat until I get home. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to have to survive. Um, and I distinctly remember my boss ringing me up. I was outside crying and I couldn't show him that I was crying. And um, <laughs> me saying, Joe, what do you need? What food do you need? And I, so I'm telling him 120 grams of like chicken breast. 100 grams of sweet potato, 100 grams of broccoli, and I remember the meal to this day. And he actually went and bought it for me, cooked it, prepared it, brought it to me in that class that I was presenting in. Like, best boss of the year award. But yeah. also, just how how crazy is that? That, like, you could... I think he understood the crazy, because he's yeah. not, has he been part of that world? Well, before? no, not necessarily. But, I mean, working in the fitness industry, he would have been exposed to a lot of those kind of, like, people and, like... Uh, those people uh, but <laughs> it's just it that whole like I had no education around food and suddenly if it didn't fit I had I, I, I freaked out I didn't know what to eat and that's I in a more relatable sense for people that aren't prepping for a competition <laughs> but you know that food anxiety when you go out or yeah. food anxiety when you're eating socially is because I don't, I don't know what would be a good choice or I don't, I'm scared because this is going to derail all of my results. And, uh, it's such a common thing that people experience, but don't talk about enough. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, it breeds that restriction and that food rule and the like disordered eating behavior. Um, and it wasn't until like I started to learn about food and macro accounting was a really um, important part of that journey. Mm -hmm. It taught me so much, but so much learning, so like much learning. looking at food. Like yeah. Yes. And yeah. You start to really realize what's in food, uh, and what makes you feel good. And, and you can play around with the macronutrients, like the levels of what makes you feel good and what works for your lifestyle. Like I, I, I function really well on about like, you know, like a, like not a higher carb, but higher ish carb, moderate fat, moderate protein. Um, just for now works really well, but like, you know, that might change in time. And, and I think I was very, very adamant about hitting these numbers initially when I did macro accounting until I realized that like that number is just deemed by a computer. Like yeah. <laughs> it doesn't know your body. Uh, I think I listened to a podcast saying that yeah. one day and it hit home to me. I was like, how does this body know I need X amount of cal and like also, calories? also, like, how accurate are the actual labels? Like, right. they did one test on yes. the food at one point and then yep. just assumed all the other foods in that mm. line. So, it's that... It's like a guesstimate. It is, a, <laughs> and it is a fine line between, like, macro account... Or, like, understanding the macronutrient caloric density of food, the nutrient level of food, and intuitive eating. I think, like, intuitive eating mm. comes from just, like, having an understanding of food and then how that makes you feel yes. here yes. so like in the, on the inside so on that one like mm. if i have someone like we we're talking about with, with my clients yes. like somebody that doesn't have necessarily a bad relationship with food and they actually just don't know um anything about food i might do a, ma a macro approach and yeah. i love what um ashley pardo calls intuitive macros where it's like mm -hmm. first you learn macros and you learn like what works for your body and she usually reverse diets people out of like low calorie diets 
um, and then take away the macro counting and implement intuitive eating. Um, and I love that approach. Where it's so like, let's wrap it up. Alice of the diet name that you choose to follow, they all implement the same structure, which is restriction of calories and rules around certain food groups that are like good and bad mm -hmm. in in line with that diet and that in itself that culture can breed very disordered ways of viewing food and i think um people think eating disorder think skin and bones anorexia but eating disorders or disordered eating behaviors can stem from just yeah. deciding to only eat between 10 a.m and 4 p.m or eating high fat low carb uh they're putting every single thing on the scale yeah they're all disordered ways of behaviors around food mm -hmm. and eating it all has a different look like yeah right? it doesn't look like the skinny anorexic woman it doesn't look like bulimia mm. um it's a continuum right like absolutely it, it's, especially but, when it talk when it's wrapped up in your identity and wrapped up in your yes. self-worth which most perpetual dieters it is yes absolutely but know that there is a way out <laughs> and like we've both been on that journey and we continue to be on that journey i'm not saying i'm perfect at all and there are times that like i can very much fall back into that mentality of oh i shouldn't eat as much or uh you know i need to exercise more because of xyz um but being more aware of it is definitely like a good way out and it's so liberating and it's like much more positive way yeah. of living um, much more mental space to have when you don't so think about food all the time mental freedom <laughs> is huge yeah. um, food freedom so thank you Alina thank for you. chatting with us today um, if you have any questions or you're experiencing similar things comment below I'd love to hear from you and if you haven't already like subscribe and follow Alina on her IG she does lots of awesome yeah. content um, level around. up with Alina yes level up with Alina I will put that in yeah. the description bar and we'll See you in the next episode.